welcome to this 10th um, 2021 UK lockdown number three mini series, which I think is the 73rd episode in the whole Mad Axman podcast um, empire coming out to you, in which the whole team obviously return, but we're all very much distracted by the imminent announcement of ADLG4 coming out in the next few weeks, and we do have a chat about that. There's still the usual painting chat and basing chat and gluing chat in all sorts of different scales from 28 mil down to six this time and also another episode of i'm sorry i think you've been asked in which we ring the praises of the fabulous humbrol painting andy's quiz returns as well and then we give you a tea up for next week it's more of the same enjoy the podcast this means war Well, welcome. This must be 73 in our epic series, and more importantly, number 10 of lockdown. Is this lockdown 3.0 or 2.0? I've kind of lost track. 3.0. So this is our kind of third mini-series gets into double figures in the UK, although um, things are looking up and the sun's shining and, and we're all starting to to smell being optimistic as well. Um, the The full team are here in in their various corners of well various corners of the screen really with their various different real or imagined or um or fantasy backgrounds as well and without further ado we're going to go straight into the what have you been doing this week and the man who is clipping sprues and waving um you know dangerous pointed implements as we want um, my mate stanley your next your mate stanley adam matilda um what are you making as we speak well, I am those uh, French late 15th century knights. I am getting around to um, sticking together, which is all good, because okay. um, special announcement, Dacian Army is now completely done, dusted. Lock, stop, and lock. Okay, they're, they're all boxed. So I'm really, okay. really pleased with that. The last map varnished, the last putting the magna things on the base, so that's good. Um, the ships I was starting to prep, I've now got white undercoated, so they're ready to go. So I'm starting to um, look at these uh, 1480s French knights from Perry, which is good. And um, in in other news, I'm um, I'm probably going to change my painting technique for them. Really? Wow. I was thinking. Well, you're going to use a brush this time instead of a roller. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, thinking, yeah, let's just keep getting through. But these knights, especially at first, I was thinking spray and gunmetal, maybe a highlight of silver. But I mean, a spraying and black, and then just dry brushing gunmetal yes. doesn't take that much longer. Hmm. And the other thing I was thinking was outside where the the steel is, um, there's some colour going on. Um, I'm going to do the harnesses quite colourful. I'm going to do the lances vaguely colourful. So um, to make colours pop, I was thinking of black lining. It's always useful. So yep. you, you know what really helped make the colours pop? What's that? Spray gold to start off with. Works a bling oh, up nicely. He got come that on, one in well on, done. We didn't it. even see that you one coming. We'd almost forgotten that one. We'd almost forgotten it. Oh, I was thinking there's not Tamden talking, so it's going to be nonsense. And and I was right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it's relevant for your paint detail. So I'm you going just, with... You um, don't want to just want to push the egg. I'm going undercoating with black, so there'll be black lining on the colours, so they'll they'll be nice. And that's something that's a technique that I can do for the whole of the army, so it's going to look quite coherent. Because a lot of them I couldn't spray coat, um, like the Swiss, for instance, I wouldn't spray spray coat um, 
gunmetal anyhow, um, mm. which the downside is as a technique, it takes so much longer um, than than just the white undercut, sort of like base uh, army paint slop. Um, but then I was thinking, well, I've got four bases of knights, which is 12 cavalry, which is 24 bits, if you count cavalry as two. And that's 60 points. Now, when I was doing the Dacian, 60 points was about 48 figures. So I'm going to be painting an awful lot less, so I can probably afford to spend time on them. So I'm going to go back to a more respectable um, figure painting technique. Um, do you, do you with, always, get, you know, do you, because I think I'm trying to think of some of the armies I've got. There are somewhere I've mixed and matched doing black undercoat and white undercoat in the same army for different different troop types. And I think those Perry Knights, you know, that, that to me, that is a bit of a no-brainer about a black undercoat. But I'm... Mm -hmm. But then again, I think all my other Perry plastic stuff is black undercoat and you can still slot the army painter on and it gives them a real mucky drag through the hedge backwards European warfare sort of thing. Yeah, I well, know. But then, and again, it's like when you start morphing figures and using them in that army to do that, you kind of get in that anyhow. But when I'm designing an army, I want it to look coherent and I want the painting style to look coherent. And the Swiss, um, it's... Um, they should be fairly colourful as well if I'm going to do Canton yep. colours. Um, so that's a chance to sort of like have it Canton. And of course, we all know in reality that they would have been covered in shit and yeah. <laughs> being really nucky and wearing rags and it's yeah, all unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's we're playing toy soldiers, so we all paint them in a way that we know they weren't really, but it looks better. And it does give that coherency as a because it can, an army can look very disjointed. And you can see it on the tables when you walk around tables in competitions, mm. you can see some people that are, have got sort of like loads of different stuff from anywhere just to sort of fit an army together. And it doesn't look like an army, it looks like, oh, you've you've not tried very hard no. there, have you, mate? So, um, Dave, I'm, Dave, I'm just trying to guilty as charged, yeah. just trying to bring Dave in here because you do black undercoat and then a very heavy dry brush of white to get the colours up on on a black undercoat in some ways. So I guess a very heavy, which I've copied from you sometimes. So that can give you a lot more, you know, pseudo white undercoat effect. And and it's, you know, it's not difficult to do because it's just a messy dry brush, really. Is that is that fair to say, Dave? Or? Um, well, for nights, I definitely undercoat black and then dry brush grey and then highlights tiny bit of silver to bring them up make them pop up and i think that really yeah really works well with helmets and um mail on horses and things like that but with other and, and horses i i really do now favor undercoating black and what i do with the horses undercoat black and then get a gray and then dry brush gray so you can pick out the patterns on the horse itself you know, you get then you get the mane, the the stuff, tail, yeah. you can mm. see the mane, the tail, because things, and you can see the detail of the figure, which you're going to paint over with, and it gives you something, a basis. But also, if you undercoat the horse's black, you can have that thing of the legs are black, and the, and it means the coat d'arms, I think we all love the coat d'arms horse colours, and it means, I think it helps the um, chestnuts and the bay and the t those ones having the undercoat in black it makes it that they seem to work oh i think some of the coat armors or if you're speaking cockney coat arms and um, okay. paint um i think it does help the darker ones but i think um and again it's 
I think we've had this conversation before, and I'm still not sure whether I prefer black or white undercoat. I'm going to do black this time around because um, I think the lighter ones, it really doesn't help, and it takes quite a few coats to build up a colour. But here's another question for you that people might have, because most of the, most of the nights um, are just white harness, which I prefer because it's sort of like, it's a look I like for me nights, you know what I mean? It's just business. None of this showy yeah. nonsense. It's just like we're here to do the business. But through the figures, and it's one of the downsides, I suppose, of buying a box of 12, through the figures come with a tabard, which um, at first I thought, oh, a tabard, we could paint them as a dinner lady. Um, but the other thing I was thinking was... Um, I'm going to have to do something with them and I can do some basic patterns. One, I can do sort of like I'll do red with a white cross because that's very Frenchy. Um, but does anyone know anywhere where I can get 25 mil transfers for sort of like medieval heraldry stuff like fleur de lis and etc.? Yeah, the, is, it, is it battle flag? Because I've got some um, that are crosses and things like that, but. Very um, Vidi Vici. Well, they're, yeah, they're the monochrome ones as the water slide, but there are some LBMS style ones. I'm not even sure if LBMS might do a, a set with crosses and things like that, but because I've, I've got some, but I struggled to put them on um, the the more kind of well uneven surfaces. Yeah, I, that's why I think I prefer the um, the monochrome the water slide. Because then if I'm doing third lee, I can just put sort of cut them out and put them on where I want as opposed to coverage. Or I, I think it, it might be battle flag. I think it might be battle flag that have got a range of water slide because they they do, I'm pretty sure they do almost full um, ones for the cloth barded Fireforge mm -hmm. Knights or something like that as well. But I think they do a range of um, Battlefront. And things. I think it's called battle flag. Yeah. Battle flag. Oh, Battlefront of the Flames War people, aren't they? Yeah, Battlefront of the Flames of War people. Yeah. Um, okay. But um, otherwise, I'll, I could um, always have a bash at um, if you find some designs actually making some for you, because I do need to do another print run of some um, stickers for something. Oh, leads must be easy to find on the interwebs. Yeah, they must be easy to find on the interwebs and, and do that. And a lot line rampant. Oh, and the other realisation that i come to in the past week, and it might be an important one, is... Mm. Um, I've sort of like last few weeks, I've uh, slowed down on my painting because of general life and because sometimes it's like I enjoy painting and sometimes I just think oh, I can't be asked. And the realization I came to is that's okay. Because hmm. I remember sort of like saying, if you want to do lots of painting, telling people that you're going to do it. And I said, doing this podcast helped my painting enormously because it did, because I needed something to say every week. Um, but it's like also just not painting sometimes because you don't fancy it is an allowable thing. So, um, yeah, my painting slowed down and that's kind of OK. So um, I'm, I'm more chilled because I got I went crazy trying to get those stations done. And now, yeah, I'll do the ships. I'll rig them. I'll stick these together. I'll just see how it goes. And it's all quite um, it's all quite nice. That, that sounds like we won't be coming to you for the rant this week then. Um, but that's good to know that you're in a, a good mental headspace. And in terms of laid Having back... Having a bit of a I've, mellow moment. Yeah, well, you know, in terms of me the mellow moment, Pete, you appear to be so laid back, you're actually sliding off the bottom of your screen there. I can only see the... I, I try to. Top, the top badger of your um, of your coiffured hair. Oh, no, oh, it's come back into view now. That's quite frightening. So what what about you this week? Have you got any further with your, your finger gluing Vulcan? Uh, I got annoyed with my finger gluing, and I resorted to actually venturing out into the big wide world to get some aerodite 
as you were wow. suggesting, to try and stick wings on. So mm-hmm. I managed to get a hold of a pack of those on Sunday. What, so I haven't the two-part had part mixy stuff, or yeah, the two part mixy stuff. So I haven't had t- time to uh, try and um, play with it yet. Work's been a bit busy, but um, I thought I'd resort to that so I can actually get some stuff which you will definitely not fall out. Because I was getting a bit irritated with just the normal super glue and that it just wasn't doing the job for me. So what's what's outside like at the moment then? Because it's I think it's before Christmas that I've seen it almost. But um, how, yeah, how did you find see, that? My, my my kids tell me about it on the way you know to and from school, and uh, I thought I'd better go and experience it myself for this year. So uh, it was quite amusing. An amazing number of people out and about. I was like, uh, I thought they weren't allowed out. So uh, wondering up, especially where I live, I was like, well, what are you all doing here? You're not working. Um, did, so, you not, so, did you not think about sending your, um, you know, sub teenage children off to buy glue for you? Did you think that was a, a possible strategy? Yeah, well, you know, the temptation was there, but yeah. uh, I had to also get a bottle of bourbon. So, you know, it's a, the sub teenage children, it's a, uh, you so know, what shop do you go? What shop do you go to get Harold Diet and Bourbon, or is this a new album by um, you know the geek version of Guns and Roses? Good bourbon. Um, even, even ignoring even ignoring about Harold Diet, if a fourteen year old goes into a shop and says, "Going to buy some glue, Mister," they're going to be asked for ID. Yeah. <clears throat> Never mind the bourbon. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, Waitrose is next to the uh, Robert Dyer. So. Oh right, so you actually did go into two shops. My God, two shops. That's I know, I know. I, I doubled down. Uh, that's me for March now. Ah, yeah, no, that's done. It's finished. Sorted. Yeah, yeah. Easter, yeah, so, Easter may come and go, and you no more excitement. Absolutely. So I was looking at that. I also was looking at the uh, Aztec stuff, the Aztec and Texla things, and uh, hmm. um, having a look at um, Heresy miniatures. They painted up some of the Gladiator ones, the Viking Fifteens, and um, uh, all I could think about was, damn. I wish I could paint that one. The Harrison um, stuff, yeah. That's the yeah, it? it's yeah. just uh, amazing. So it's like, um, it's painting all this sort of like the Jaguar onesies on the 15 mil stuff and everything else. And I was like going, hmm, I wonder if that would look good with some gold spray. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think I think Martin from Vexilia is painting up some of those um, Aztec figures as we speak for Fighting Fifteen. So, so we'll oh, get to fantastic. see some of his he's, he's a good painter as well. Yeah, so. he's doing some good stuff. I look yeah. forward to seeing some of those. But um, so I was, I was contemplating some of those um, and have a look at it, um, ready for the um, new book that's coming out. Yeah. And did Did you get any further with your plotting your Curasan order? Um, no, I'm just waiting for him to put the. Um, codes on so um dave and i had a a good old plot on that saying about how many chariots could we possibly fit in and um the basic consensus is we need to wait for the so like the medium foot to come along uh which is due to pop up this month so okay uh, by the end of the month i think it's going to be so i'm looking forward to that i can afford to wait the basic competition i'm thinking of using them is uh uh, reading that's uh before zero bc isn't it um, I don't I think, think Reading's was. been been sorted yeah. yet, but there's one in um, the the Teams thing in London that's got before zero. Um, oh right, thing. yeah, yeah. I'll use it for the Teams one. Hopefully, that's uh, what August, September, September, be middle of September, is that second half of September. Right. So. Yeah. Did yeah. Did you actually pull the um, lists for that, Tim? Pending version four. Yeah. Well, I um, I think the lists have got TBC on the document. So um, as soon as we get the new version four list of lists, we'll be able to work out. So I think yeah. one. Of periods is you have to have step terrain so the armies that have step terrain may well change i guess so so that will replace that list i I guess 
naught BC won't change because that's pretty fixed. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, the yeah the Assyrian one. Um, yeah, I can use them at London GT, so I've got the summer to paint them. So even yeah. at my speed, I should be able to get them done in time. Um, so I'm like holding off and do a big order. Uh, okay. Something to put, get me through in April because um, hopefully I can finish off all these winged hussars in March. Take a day off. So. Well, in, in terms of laid back, I think we need, obviously need to go to the, the laid back, blurred background um, Aussie in the top left hand corner to see what Simon, what have, what have you been up to this week in the painting stakes? Yeah, strength, mate. It's been absolute bonds of a week, but um, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I thought that was one of Dave's accents for a minute. So I thought we were, I was almost in Woola Woola Bay or wherever it is. Yeah, yeah mate. Uh, the, the only things I've managed to paint in the last week have been um, another war wagon for the uh, Rampant Dragon Rats. So I found another one of those big, crazy war wagons. So that's now that whole army completed. And I've got my first of my Alexander the Great pikemen units. I've got most of the pike painted up. So I um, miscounted how many figures I was meant to use rather than putting you know, um, 12 or 16 onto a base. I only put nine and sort of pipe look a little bit empty on the on the on um, the base. Right. Okay. You, you you put you know three in the back rank, three in the middle, three in the front. It looks quite empty. So yeah. I've gone back and adding a few more into it. So how how have you found those figures? Because that's is that the first? No. Did you replace an old Alexandrian army, or is that your sort of first foray into that pure classical stuff? This is my first time of doing one of these armies. So I've done a Roman army, but I've never done a Greek army uh, before. And um, the thing is, they're not bad. There's not as much detail as I was hoping for. What I found is um, uh, this is meant to be the new uh, Z, Z range, range. Of models. Yep. And they look nice. But when you start, especially on like the, the pikemen, you can see uh, they've got the tunic and like little tassels around the, the hips and waist. There's not much detail there. So if you... Um, if you paint base coat a little bit too thick, uh, it gets gunked up pretty quickly. So it goes yeah. away. Okay, at 15 mil, it's not like you're going to notice anyway at my style of painting. There's a couple of things I've noticed, but when you paint it with a bit of army painted dip and all that, at three foot, looks perfectly fine anyway. So yeah. Well, I'm, I must admit that's interesting actually because I've I myself have started because um, there was some quite decent weather the last week and I managed to get a, quite a chunk of undercoating done. I had a, an order arrive from Donington with some Thracians and some other bits. I had that weird lucky eBay um, order come in as well. And and I got a load of stuff based up um, on lollipop sticks and, and sprayed. And I've started doing, now that they're all done, I've started doing the um, the museum um, Akmini Persians, the Sparabara and the arches and stuff like that. And I think exactly that. You can see because I've, I've undercoated them white, I've used Halford's car spray. So that is pretty fine. That's a pretty good finish. But, and then I've, I've inked some of the armor bits and things like that to do it. And, and the detail is picked out on the ink, but it's kind of hard to paint. And at the same time, I'm sat here with eight um, Legio Heroica, I think Luciat Mace Men, Arab um, 
two-handed heavy weapon men or something like that have got who've also got padded armor and that is like nicely deep cut blocks and and the ink really goes into the the base of them uh, it's really kind of clear how how that all pads together whereas the um the the museum ones it's all there but you kind of sort of wish it was a bit more zeistany and it was a bit more pronounced and it looks kind of very pronounced on the digital sculpts but the the actual ones that are sort of shrunk down are maybe the 3d sculpts need to be more exaggerated a little bit you know they're still nice figures and nice poses it, it's, it's putting in the emphasis so you can actually see it more than a foot away yeah yeah i think that's it or it picks up paint so it's almost like they've got to over exaggerate it a little bit more yeah, I, th I think that's that's exactly it. So, you know, they're lovely and they're going to look good. And I'm going to do some some other stuff. And then there's all sorts. I've finished. I had to finish a unit um, for, for this week. So so I finished a unit of 34 um, 10 mil Napoleonic Imperial Guard, which I did slightly randomly um, great coats on. They're, they're a bit more of a mix than some of the other ones. And they're based up. That's that's some other stuff I've been doing. I've based up and done quite a lot of horses through through just doing cut white undercoat a kind of a almost a slightly wash like coat to arms because i think that is the two ways to get the depth you either do black and then get a proper dry brush or you do white undercoat and do them a bit of a wash um and then do them with the ink on top of it and um and i've i've just done a few i've did some of those test 10 mil um figures that we talked about last week from um from that kickstarter that the guy sent to us so i'm I, I split the pack with Dave, who I handed some over to in um, Pitts Hanger Lane, a bit weird, today. And his are undercoated in black and, um, and mine are undercoated in white. So there's a bit of an experiment going on there. And and they do really take um, ink well. They're, for 10 mil, they're really, I think we said last week, they're really finely sculpted. And I've, I've just started putting an ink wash on some of them and it's really picking out that that kind of ribbed leathery armor thing that a lot of medieval figures have so it'll be interesting to see how much detail i can actually get onto those when um, when the rest of them are kind of done um and it's made me think you know clearly as we said last week i am going to resist getting an army that duplicates everything i also have got twice in 28 million in 15 million 10 but but are there any board games or you know, is there something like something around the baron's war and and that kind of era that medieval spearmen with kite shields and things could i cry havoc it's cry havoc a thing um Laker. that was a board game in the 1980s wasn't it yeah yeah i remember yeah, it. Yeah, it is isn't it there's a company that did there's a kickstarter for baron's war but it's figures it's figures no i think the kickstarter is the, the 10 mil for it i've got either foot saw and whatever. yeah does um does King because Kingmaker is a classic game, but is that sort of that's been that, that's about hundred years later? That's Wars of the Roses. Don't worry about it. Right. Someone, yeah. I think someone's looking to do a Kickstarter to re-release that. Okay, so I wonder if you could do that basing up. You know, I was thinking three spearmen or something like that. A couple of knights would be a nice little thing for that, um, which might be a cheap way of <laughs> not buying them all again. Um, but no, they're they're looking kind of good, but. But I'm now staring here at loads of Persian Sparabar and different bits and pieces and Persian cavalry from Zeistan and some other bits and bobs to, to try some different painting techniques on those and um, and get those done as part of the the world 
yeah the world of undercoating that um that seems to have gone on this week and, and kind of crack into that a bit more really so so that's kind of been my my week in painting uh, Tamsin, what about you? Um, you know, obviously, you know, passing on from my superbly detailed, um, clever painting to to yours as well. Um, what what have we got from your um, thing? This looks like we're finally there with um, with the yes. paratroops in the jungle. Yes, yes. Um, well, Friday, like I mean, Friday was a nice sunny day. Lots of lots of nice daylight. So I was finally able to finally sat down and finished the cleanup on the US Paris and did that on Friday, Saturday, uh, started gluing them onto base and then realized I'd run out of 25 millimeter square ones. So is that a thing? Had to play. 25 mil squares? What, what rule set is that for? Um, um, I use a, your thing. Chain, chain of command, I use different, different, I use round bases for sort of a, for grants, hmm. 25 mil round bases for grants, 25 mil square bases for junior leaders, so section by squad NCOs. Okay. And hex bases for senior leaders, so sergeants, I lieutenants, and also for specialists. Uh, I'd run out of the 25 millimeter square one, so I placed an order for some more bases then i sat down i was looking at looking at what i had and thinking about sort of the comparative size for us para rifle platoon against japanese rifle platoon and realized hmm yeah i could probably use another rifle squad as a support option hmm. and so place started placing an order and of course the pack pack with lmgs from artisan contains two lmg teams i gunner and loader times two and let me guess you need yeah three. it would be rude <laughs> not it would be rude not to actually make i have that lm my spare lmg team so i ordered enough for two sec two rifle squads and then i figured Actually, I've got two 60-inch, 60-millimeter mortar teams. So, so with two rifle squads, two extra rifle squads, actually, yeah, uh, order, order some more command, another command pack as well. Hmm. Yeah, so I've got those, those on the way. Right. So you've got basically also, a full company with weapons. Trays, storage. You, yeah, you've ordered almost another army, really, by act just to, just to bring yeah, stuff I'll, so out. I'll yeah, to, so I'll have enough for two platoons. Yeah, well, that's fine, isn't it? That's I've got an extra pair hand, of socks here. I need to buy a suit to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Tamsin, yeah. if you've got enough for two platoons, you only need one more for the whole company, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, there is that thought. There is that. And then the yeah, heavy weapons support platoon, but that's not very much at all, so you might as well just do the job properly, mate. Yeah. And then, they, then did they capture any armor at any stage as well? Uh, might have done, might they? they? Does anyone make a 20, 28 mil Jihad tank? No, there weren't. I think there are only a couple of Japanese tanks in New Guinea, and they got abandoned. Well, you might as well get them both. They then. got abandoned at Milne Bay because they got bogged down. They, the, these guys could have captured both of them then. Surely that's always that you know. Because no, if we're Paris going, were, no, they yeah. arrived a bit too late for that. All oh, right, maybe they've got engineer. No, okay. I go. If if that's even a if if that's a stretch too far for someone who's um who's just bought an accidental platoon, um, 
<laughs> by when they started off by some 25 mil square bases. That clearly is a step too far. I can't even convince you on that one. Okay. Yeah. So, so does that yeah, mean the but on, um, yeah, but back to the six mil ACW. Yeah. I've actually finished painting everything. Wow, those are casualties, are they? Or are they um, prone men? In here, you got limber horses. Yeah. What, oh no, that's for are those for limber horses? Yeah, those for limber teams. You've got wow. horses for dismounted cavalry. Yep. Some dead horses, some gabions, mm. and some dead humans, and some cannonball stacks. So six more cannonball stacks. Wow. So finished painting for human casualties today and thought, uh, let's just try something. I applied a wash over them and thought, mm, yeah, 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 that looks better. That looks mm. better, brings out the details a bit more. Mm. So I applied it over the whole lot. <laughs> okay, no, that's good. And then, um, yeah, that looks good. So, so uh, how many layers have you done on six mil? What, four layers? Uh, so that's base coat and wash. And, and highlights. Yeah. And no highlights. highlights. No highlights. And for the um the six mil piles of cannonballs, do you do you buy them from someone or have you got like a, a mouse that you've got really well trained to kind of poop in a sort of you know apex pyramid uh, pile? They're from Bacchus. They're from Bacchus. All oh, right. Okay. Then they've got a well trained mouse somewhere yeah. that can um can can poop those out to order. This means war. We're talking of um of well-tried mice um dave in your um your little co corner of harrow did you manage to make it back from the weirdness that is pitts hanger lane um, it's, it's a very strange place which is it's it's truly one of the weirdest places i've been in london for a long time actually it's kind of um interstitial isn't it but well, not in a favorite. but in a really mundane way it's like a little place in between other places but but very mundane um you just used my one of my favourite words, interstitial. Being a I weird. thought that might be. Yeah, I thought that might be. <laughs> I, 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 you know, there, there's an interstitial bus which goes to Hangar Lane from Harrow, the three nine five, which I, is just hilarious because it goes anyway. It goes around to all these weird council estates named after um, race courses, horse racing courses, which is just bizarre. <laughs> okay. you, go, you go to Haydock and uh, mm. you know blah blah blah. Anyway. No, no, it was good. It was a good journey. I'm, I'm just sitting here looking at these 10 millimeter figures. They're, they're quite cute, aren't they? Yeah, they can. I think they're going to be kind of interesting to um to give a go to. Um, yeah, the ones I started, I'm I'm kind of pleased at. So, so did you manage to? Um, were you finishing something off last week? No, it was the I'm, it was the, the colors and cuffs. Off, yeah. Still finishing off the uh, 17th century English guys um, on the second lot of cavalry. Uh, I, I still haven't started the Scotsman. I've got to do some drilling on the Scotsman. I've got the uh, the Dremel out to uh, drill through things. Well, give us a bit. Give us a bit of Dremel. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> for anyone who's not been to the dentist for a long time, um, exactly. you, Dave Dave does freelance work now um, yeah, yeah. with the Dremel. And when we were in, when we were having our coffee in Pitsanger Lane, um, you. You had told me that you've got a drawer of Zeiston bits as well, which sounds kind of fascinating. But I've got drawers of, I mean, I've got the, the Zeiston drawer. That's right. Mm. 
Oh well, God, they're in bags. They're not just like loose bits and bobs. There's there's no, proper there's stuff a, there. A bag of Zyston jelly. Oh. God, there's all sorts. Wow. And, uh, so is there, you know, if it was all, um, is there an army's worth there or is there more than that? Or No, it's, it's the odds and sods left over from Indians. Right. Uh, but is it, is it kind of two so or three in other packets words, yes. or is it just two or he, three He figures? could make another army, you know? No, 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 no. no. I mean, it's, it's too confusing. I mean, some of the stuff is from when I began again, 10 years ago. Yeah. Wow, vintage. Which is uh, the Franks and the uh, leftovers of the War and Empire stuff. So you could do that famous Franco-Indian army then? <laughs> the early Hessians, to, to bring up a great DBM yeah. story of that time. Um, but... Donington, there's a Donington medieval drawer as well. Wow. Actually, there's just that does remind me, one of the... Because um, I, I had that weird eBay purchase of exactly what I needed in six random packs. And... Um, and it had some of these um, Egyptian spearmen from Zeiston, um, those really kind of nice ones in the um, sort of quilted hats and things with the big, big Assyrian, quasi-Assyrian shields. And this pack that I got that was really old from eBay had got the same shape shields, but with a different pattern in the middle and on the edge. And I was like, yeah. what? So, so Zeiston must have changed the shield to a slightly less ornate one at some point. Um, but it's almost exactly the same. It's just kind of very, very odd. I'm just going to have to think whether I do that as a standalone unit or mix them all in, which is a, a little bit strange. But okay. So anything else um, that's kind of creeping in the list? Are, are you going to have a rummage through the drawer and see if there's anything else that you can might be able to add to your eBay sales? Some, uh, got some odds and sods left over from uh, the. Spanish guys, there's you know, a few trump mounted trumpet guys. Sort of, you know, oh, okay, and nice got, to finish up the Roman ballistas. Uh, you know, they, they need doing at some point because I'm going to probably need them if we go to York. If that's on, I'm what to, to lay siege, siege the town or something, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 in a but, very small um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm like, um. Pete, I was very enamoured of Mr. Heresy's website. Hmm. His pictures of the um, Aztecs and things. And after we did the podcast, I'm now seriously considering buying Fighting 15's Aztecs. Uh, army. Well, we should, um, that, that podcast got re recorded last week. And um, if I can pull my finger out and get around to editing, it should be out in the next week or so before, possibly even before this one hits the decks or shortly after. Um, depending on on how that works, so there will be a yeah. as Texan families and friends podcast out there. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't know what I would want to do the Aztecs with the Jaguars or anything else, or the Mayans with these sort of like the cockatoo hairdos. Is there any reason that you'd find people with cockatoo hairdos just compelling and drawing you towards them, Pete? Or well, you know, it's just like it's it's that sort of punk era that um, I was uh, basically I was too young for. You know, yeah. I remember as a young kid seeing guys walk around with the um, mohawk mm. and everything else. It's just like, ah. but didn't we? I was too young for that, so I kind of missed it. Accidentally, almost go to a Basque. Um, what yeah. was that? No, a, a what, that wasn't accidental. We did actually go into that punk. Yeah. Uh, bar, uh, it was Basque skate punk, wasn't it? That was at, it. At some like three in the morning. Yes. Yeah. What happens in the hotel afterwards, Pete? Um, the hotel oh. stays in the hotel. 
<laughs> oh, no, this didn't, though. That was the problem. That was, yes. <laughs> well, it didn't stay in the bedroom. Sleepwalking. Yes, sleepwalking. Yes. Was this sleep your famous mouth. clothing malfunction? Yeah, naked sleepwalking. Naked Spanish ah. sleepwalking, yes. Um, yeah. Um, but enough of our, um, of our other podcast. Um, probably get back to this one then. Um, so rounding it all out then, um, Mr. Finkel, what, what, um, how are your Macedonians going? Um, very slowly. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just really pa- painting a collection of these uh, museum stuff. I've got one base of hoplites. I finished the Indians and I'm now working my way through the cavalry and finishing off the uh, hoplites as I go. So I'm doing them all together as a group. And I suspect we're talking about maybe three or four weeks of work before I finish them all. But I endorse what Adam said in the sense that I didn't get much chance to do much painting this week. And I decided, well, you know, there's times when you feel less enthusiastic about painting than other times. And it's, it's not a big deal. Yep. No, that's, um, that's nice positive thinking, but, um, you know, and maybe, maybe that's down to, to something that we will come on to in our next section about just, you know, whether it is down to a frustration with how paint is, um, is, is put together, presented and, and marketed, which is the subject of this week's I'm sorry, I think you're an ass. Coming up next on Madaxman Radio, it's I'm sorry, I think you're an ass, the antidote to informed discussion shows. At the piano this week is Scott Joplin, and your chairman is Sir Humphrey Humphreyson. Hello and welcome everybody to this week's edition of I'm Sorry, I Think You're an Ass." You join us this week from the Cosmos Concert Hall in Great Snoring, Fakenham in Norfolk. Located in the east of England, visitors can climb to the top of a nearby church spire where they'll be greeted with a view encompassing seven different counties. On a clear day, it's sometimes even possible to catch sight of Norwich off in the distance, despite the many prominent warning signs advising against this. Well, look, welcome to this week's I'm Sorry I Think You're an Ass and after a, a stellar run from Adam, um, I've elbowed him out of the way this week because over the past few weeks, there's just been a building sense of irritation, um, particularly as we are predominantly a painting, um, painting, wargaming figure, painting based war, um, podcast here. And it's just looking at the collections of paints and thinking about buying extra paints, the rest of it has made me realise that it's just got completely out of bloody control, the whole world of Wargaming Paints. And it's it's just become a complete nonsense and it needs to be stopped. Now, for those of you who are, are watching on the video, which is only the other six of you, um, despite my um, graying hair and, and receding hairline, um, you know, this is not an affectation. I am actually genuinely quite old. Um, because, you know, my wonderful skin tone and all the rest of it may, may make that deceptive. But when I was growing up as a starting off modeling and wargaming and doing all that sort of stuff, painting was easy because there was Humbrol and Airfix, and they were basically the same range, but with a different hat on. And and that was kind of it. And Humbrol had a range of 170 paints in one size they were 14 mil tinlets they were all enamels and the little metal tins were perfect really those 170 paints that's all you really needed um they all fitted together you could stack them up 
you didn't have to send off to the internet. The internet didn't exist. You just went to your local art shop. Now, the bloke behind the counter in the art shop had no idea why this stuff sold, but there was a steady stream of 12-year-old boys coming in, buying Airfix kits at the shop next door, then going into the art shop and buying Humbrol paints. And that kept the stand coming over, and they'd slide down. You'd lift one out, and they'd slide down the rack with a little clink. And it was just perfection, really. And, you know, that rack that you still see with all of the, the Humbrol paints, I'm sure you'll remember it, every single one, they'd always have run out of matte black. They'd always have run out of that US tank colour. And they always had far too many pots of um, glossy pink. But other than that, and then there's always one paint that was in the wrong rack that you were always looking for and sometimes you could find. But that was just, just perfect. And that carried on for decades. And what great paints they really were. You know, once you'd managed to prise open a tin by, by you know, breaking a knife that you'd borrowed from the kitchen drawer, um, then you had to hit them with a hammer to reseal them. But when they were resealed, the bastards stayed sealed, didn't they? <laughs> there was none of this kind of drying out or whatever. They just stayed sealed. Um, they've recovered pots of Humbrol paint from ancient Roman wrecks in the Mediterranean, and they've been opened up, and voila, they can still be used to this day to paint yeah, the, the upper The only colour, problem was to paint the upper paint, surfaces if you got Japanese it all over your hands, you, you wouldn't be able to shift it for two weeks. What, you know, why was that a problem? It just taught you discipline, taught you painting discipline. So, um, And the way you used them was you... Cost you, me a sofa. Well, you know, many things that handy, but um, that's another part for our other podcast. But, you know, you stuck kind of something in them and you really stirred them up. And basically when you couldn't see the watery, gloopy stuff anymore and it was just one colour, you knew they were pretty much ready to go. And then you'd still dip into the bottom of the bit to get the proper paint. And um, so you knew when they were ready. They lasted forever. They were fantastic. And they kind of most of them never, ever ran out because you were never using that much of it, apart from those three colours that always ran out. And and even if you did run out, you know, you could use them as slingshot bullets um, in reenactment. So it, it was all fantastic. But nowadays, the world of Tinlet, the perfect paint carrying you know, device is completely gone. And you've got bottles, dropper bottles, coat to arms bottles, someone else's bottles. You've got sprays. You've got airbrush sprays. You've got the GW bloody plastic nonsense pot with the spring back death trap, I will flick paint on your shirt and over your shoulder into the room thing. But who on earth designed that? That is designed basically to fall over so that, you know, people sell things to hold those paints and stop them falling over. And you're going, why are they not even making them in a way which can, can not be um, designed to fall over? And then squeezy little bottles with, with kind of comedy toy nipples on the top of them. What the hell is that all about? How do you tell if they're empty? You know, and what is the point of paint pots that look exactly the same from the top? So when you're looking at them all in a row, they're just a row of light lids, white lids. And what's the point? Why don't they have the bloody colours on the top like the good old Humbrol days? Because that was a very simple system that worked. It worked perfectly. There was nothing wrong with it. And no, so now we've all got this mad collection of different bottles and different paints. Do they fit on the same shelf? No. Can you stack them up? No. Utter nonsense. Back in the day, which I think we should really, you know, all be looking to return to, it was just one pot of Humbrol, and Humbrol was it, and that was it. Now, today, if you go on the internet and type in War Games Paint, you've got, you've got New Citadel, Old Citadel, Vallejo Game Colour, Vallejo Model Colour, Vallejo Model Air, Vallejo Mecha Colour, 
Vallejo Panzer Aces, Vallejo The Shifters. And I'm doing an inverted commas with my fingers for that. The Shifters. What the fuck is The Shifters? It's a brand of paint. You've got Army Painter. Uh, band in the 70s. Battlefront. Instar, Rackham, Reaper, Privateer, Scale 75, Scale 75, Scale Color, MIG, Plastic Culture, Tamiya, Formula 3, Formula P3, just Model Mates? Model Mates, what, what a stupid name. If you've got all of these bloody paints, there's no room in your house for your mates to come around if you bought all this shite. And that's just the paints. And then you get all these brands have got pigments, washes, primers, contrast paints, dry brush paints. People make dry brush paints. Isn't that like paints that you dry out the brush that's just kind of what dry brushing is layer paints intensity there's ink intensity i think that's another posh bollocks word for a wash technical paints and that's a bollocks word for that'll be another two pound fifty please you mug um there's just oh it's just utter nonsense and there's but with all these different paints it's not like anybody's invoked any more bloody colors is it most stars wargamers we rarely glimpse daylight. Peter, you know, you've only been out of the house once since Christmas and, and we're all jealous because that's really pushing the envelope. And and so what are these things in daylight? We've not got a clue. Back in the day, the Humbrol range had flesh and that was flesh. Bronze green was the colour that all tanks were painted. There was a colour for wood that you painted all wood for. And then they had basic names like gloss red and matte olive green and light aircraft grey. So if you wanted to paint an aircraft light grey, you walked into your art shop and said, can I have some light aircraft grey, please? And they went, here's your light aircraft grey. Your aircraft will now be light grey. Bosh. That was it. The wildest, craziest thing Humbrol ever did, and I'm sure one of the, somebody in their marketing department just got sacked for this, was Midnight Blue. That was as racy as it ever got. I liked Even, Midnight Blue. What a colour. What a great colour. And we all know it as well. We all know what that was. And we can all go, oh, Humbrol Midnight Blue. Yeah, that was a good one. Even nearly 30 years from now, you know, from, from when this happened, it's all there. But, <clears throat> but now, not only are all these different ranges with the different bottles and the different droppers and the different consistencies, they're just creating more colours than there are in the spectrum and coming up with an arms race of who can create the most stupid and nonsense name for their paints and and i think you know there's i could do another 20 minutes on just that but but i thought this is the time we need to introduce a segment we need to introduce a game and i've got a game that i'm going to um, ask let's have a look around so tamsin you are the expert so you are the, the person who needs to be playing this peter you only understand the concept of gold paint so i think you as well Brilliant. and then adam it's all um, and then adam um Join in because you, you know, it's a shame to miss you out of this ranty section as well. So I think what we're going to do now is I'm going to take you through a quick game of paint pot or piss right off. And the choice is I'm going to read out a list of paint names. And you've got to tell me whether that is a genuine wargaming paint pot colour or if you think I've made it up and I should just piss right off. We're going to do it in enter, go around, get answers from each of us. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read out, we've got 12 names, and I'm going to go to all of you in turn, Tamsin, Peter, Adam, and I want to hear you either say either that's a paint pot or piss right off. So if we can wade into our first ever, um, first ever, probably only ever attempt at um, paint pot or piss right off, starting with you, Tamsin, 
blue horror is that a paint pot or is that piss right off i think that is a paint pot Pete? uh piss off can't have blue as a horror, horror. that's red Adam? isn't it uh piss right off piss off right okay green tail light or tail light green <laughs> Ooh. not not wing light not left right never right not front light tail light green does someone make a specific paint for a tail light green i'm gonna have to hurry you here no uh piss right off piss right off Pete? piss right off tail, tail lights aren't green adam yeah jog on mate piss off <laughs> um, okay tamsin coming to you flash gets gold <laughs> teed up for peter nicely this one flash gets gold flash gets gold FGG to its friends. Paint pot. You think that's a paint pot? Pete. If it doesn't exist, I want it to be invented. You want that's it. You're saying pot. it's a paint pot. It should Adam, be one if it, it isn't. should be. Yeah, I'll go paint pot for that one. Paint pot. Um, going artistic now. Wargaming colour, savage ground. Not just ground, not earth. Savage ground. Tamsin. Knowing some of the paint manufacturers. That's a paint pot. That's a paint pot. Pete? Savage Ground. Savage Ground. That's No, that's the 70s heavy metal band. That's, that's piss right piss off, off on that one. Yeah. Adam, Savage Ground. They're not mutually exclusive, so I'm going to go with paint pot. Paint pot. Um, Emperor's Children. Emperor's Children. But the book, isn't it? Piss right off. That's a um, Chinese restaurant down in Soho, isn't it? That, that, that sounds like fun. Emperor's Children. Uh, that sounds like it would be one of the uh, so like Warhammer ones. Yeah, that's a painful. Adam? Uh, piss off, mate. Piss off, mate. Um, okay, then Tam's in. Next one. German tank crew, Feldgrau, open brackets, number two, close brackets. Hold on a moment. I think I may have it. <laughs> we got an interruption from the crowd. I'm just going through my German field grays. Hold on. Uh, I know what range it is. Paint pot. Paint pot. Paint. Well, I, I think after Dave's interjection, yeah. I think that's a paint pot then. Adam, Tamden seems confident, and with Dave going, oh, I'm just going through my German field grays. How many blood? Yeah, I'll go with a uh, paint pot. Paint pot. Yeah. Okay then. Um, next one then, Tamden. Um, this is pulling up a theme. Um, from previous weeks, my rippers. How about cheeky tug purple? Is that a paint pot or piss right off? Piss right off. Piss off. Pete, cheeky Name tug purple. Name sounds too long. That's a piss off. Adam. Yeah, on your bike, mate. On your bike. Um, okay, next one. German winter tank crew uniform, white. Paint pot. Paint pot. I've got it. Uh, oh, yeah, in that case, then I'll go with. Okay. Got it. Um, number nine, we're getting towards the end then. Mole's breath. Mole's breath. The Mold's breath of the mole. Oh. I'll go paint pots. Nah. Mole's breath. Even if it is real, it's going to piss right off. Piss right off. Adam? Uh, piss right off. Piss right off. Tank periscope colour. Tank periscope. Ideal in six mil or ten mil. Paint pot. No, Pete. that's one step too far. Piss off on that. Adam? Yeah, I'll play the uh, nope, nope, nope card. And then 
Ultramarine off. ashes. Ultramarine ashes. Ultramarine ashes. Piss off. Yeah, Pick. no. Piss off on that. Adam? Yeah, piss off. And then finally, administrative building beige. <laughs> Isn't that what you would call it? That's um administrative that's, that's building a government beige. paint. Yeah, You're saying it's a paint um, pot. Pete? Uh, I'm saying it's something that was painted the local council offices. I think it's a Dulux colour. He says it's not Wargaming. And then Adam? Uh, right off. It's off. Okay. So that's a full sweep then. So. This means war. If um, is somebody able to record, I'll, I'll have a quick review here and we can record the scores. So um, for the first one, Blue Horror, Tamsin scores one. That is a paint. It's a Games Workshop paint called Blue Horror. The other two get none. So Tamsin's on one so far. Green Tail Light, we had a full suite of piss right off. But unfortunately, it's a Vallejo Panzer Colors special for what? Green Tail Light. So that's a victory for the boy Porter. Um. Flash gets gold. Everybody said that was a paint pot. Unfortunately, flash gets yellow is the colour. Oh, but, um, you've been doing research. That's almost oh, cheating. Well, you do sort of have to have the answers for this one. Um, but I don't think the metallics range has been released yet. So that's um, another sweep for me. Tamsin's still in the lead with one. Um, Savage Ground. So we had Adam and Tamsin saying this was a paint pot. And Pete saying piss right off. And Pete is right, because Savage Ground is a paint colour, but it's a Faro and Ball um, colour for posh houses. It's not a wargaming colour. So um, so Pete's on one as well then now. Um, you did not specify that it had to be. I did. I did at the end. I did at the beginning. You had to listen. You got. You see, you've got to, you've got to read the questions carefully. Um, and you didn't know about Faro and Ball, did you, honestly? None of I painted my porch that colour. That's why I thought it was. I yeah. prefer fired earth myself. Yes, indeed. Emperor's Children. Um, we had two piss-offs in the paint pot, and Pete was on the paint pot thing. And Pete is right. It's a Games Workshop colour. 210. So 210. Um, German Tank fell ground number two, a full sweep, um, and Dave gets a bonus point for having it in his, in his hand. So everybody so gets a point for that one. Dave's not playing, and he's still on equal points to me. Yes, that's <laughs> the way it works. Um, kind of explains a lot. It does. Cheeky Tug Purple, a full suite of piss right off. Um, quite right. Um, everybody gets a point there. Winter Tank Crew Uniform right. White, sorry. Yeah, I've got to be true. Technically, you probably should paint it in a kind of really, you know, cream ivory. But but yes, it is a Vallejo Panzer Aces colour. Everybody gets a point there. Mole's Breath. Tamsin had a paint pot. The other two had piss right off. It's another Faro and Ball special that has sneak yeah. in there. So, so if you want to paint your house in Mole's <laughs> Breath, you can. Not quite <laughs> sure which room you would paint in Mole's Breath, but but you can't paint um, any small scale figures with it. It's a six. Tank oh, Periscope. Tank Periscope. Tamsin said it was a paint pot. The other two said piss right off. And it's a Vallejo Panzer Aces colour for Periscope. Tank Periscope, periscope. colour. Tank. I can see you using color. a lot of that one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it, it lasts for over 40 years. I think it used um, to be called Periscope Grey. No, maybe that was confused with the submarine range or something. Um, and then 
ultramarine ashes. Everybody got that right with piss right off. It is a fired earth color, Dave. So I, I'm surprised you didn't chip in with that one. Um, there is a fired earth color called ultramarine ashes, but it's not. I'm not sure it's not the color of my walls. So everybody with a point there. And administrative building beige, two piss offs from Pete and Adam, both score a point. Tamsin, you were close. There's administratium grey from Games Workshop, mm. but not administrative building beige. So, I don't know who was recording the scores there, Dave. Was that uh, you? So, uh, Tamsin has six. Six. Adam has five. Five. And Pete has five, six, seven, eight. Pete has eight. Hey! So Pete wins. Congratulations, hey! Pete. You are the first winner of paint pop or piss off. Fantastic. What do I get? Do I get a flash get gold made especially for me? Yes, we're, I think you probably do have that automatically, really. But um, but no, I think so. Gold <coughs> no. But I think the issue with all these um, <laughs> all these ridiculously named colours is, no matter how bloody daft the name is, we have no idea what they generally look like because we're painting stuff up that was, you know, the manufacturing process was different, the application was different, where was sunlight, the wear and tear. They made stuff out of soot and they applied it with like cat's urine and and bits of you know bark and twigs and that was like in the second world war so you know nobody knows what these things look like but we all spend forever looking for them if you google the phrase paint comparison dunkelgelb that comes up with fourteen thousand results nobody has a scooby what these paints with stupid names are even supposed to look at it's certainly because they can't spell it napoleonic french blue war games on Google, those four words, 716,000 results. So all around the world, everybody is furiously Googling for stuff that nobody actually knows what the answer is. Nobody at all knows what the answer is. But you know, the real things would have been painted on wood or hide, and we're seeing them in under artificial light, unless we're all fucking daft enough to buy a daylight bulb at 15 quid a pop to allow us to recreate where we are painting them, the lighting conditions of being under a daylight bulb in a dimly lit room. And then we put them on table, taking a while stabbing the duck, not under a daylight light in a different room. So whenever we put them on table to field them, they look completely different anyway. So why can we not just go back to Humbrol, 170 colors, sensible names, that's it, because all these other paint colors are utterly irrelevant. They're utterly unnecessary. And when we all started up, we were all very happy, and there just are not that many colours in the world. The tins are better with Umbrol. The names are better. There's no nonsense. And, you know, and if anybody can find a use for that gloss pink paint, you know, you could probably pick that up cheap because there's always some spare ones. You might be able to haggle with your local art shop. And all the rest of it, just go back to Umbrol and bin all the rest of it. And that is my big theory on why modern wargaming paint is nonsense. Tell me, I'm I got, wrong. first thing I've got to say to you there, Tim, is you were getting quite angry there at one point. I even noticed some, some naughty words. You were sort of like getting a bit hot up. So the first thing I would say to you, mate, is you really need to chill out, okay? You're just talking about hobby stuff on on, on the podcast, okay? But this it's is, not this that is life and death. It's, this is it's, economics. It's almost as if, right, you've got other stuff going on in your life that... You can't sort of like deal with, so it's coming out now. I don't know, maybe, maybe it goes back to your childhood. So firstly, I would say, take a breath, chill out. Second thing I would say is, there were some very some very good things in the 70s and 80s. Humble paints were not one of them, okay? <laughs> now, 
Humble Paints is more at the mullet and Finder's crispy pancake end of the 70s and 80s rather than Chelsea boots, okay? Because, yeah, they came in tins that were impossible to open and impossible to close again. And I will give you, they actually give a beautiful colour because Jeff still sometimes paints his figures and they give a beautiful colour, but they were a pain in the ass to use. I mean, really, they destroyed brushes. Like they were just, they were just a pain. So that's all a bit rubbish. And modern paint colours, it's like, yeah, they got funky names. It's like, but we don't know what the shade is and we don't know what the colour is. Here's a tip, Tim. What, what you do is this. It's like, when you're buying paints, what you do is you pick the bottle up and you look at the paint inside the clear plastic bottle and you go, oh, that's what shade it is. Okay? So you, you can see the paint when you buy it now. Now, now's not perfect. I completely agree with Game, Games Workshop pots i mean what the fuck goes on with them i've no idea why they thought that was a good idea but overall what you're complaining about is things used to be crap but we didn't get a choice so we all put up with it whereas now there's some good stuff and bad stuff and we've got to like choose what we want so overall i think the sort of like being able to choose a good stuff is a good idea and the only other thing i would say is you used to go to an art shop to buy a humble paint Oh, lardy da where did you grow up? Lincoln or somewhere? It's like Some, Somewhere without a model shop. That's where it was. Yeah, yeah, somewhere with not a shop. Whereas now, what you do is you go to local war game store and you buy your paints. So overall, that's better than buying crap paints in an art store. And, and, and Ted, you're missing the whole point. How and what would half of people talk about when you go to the competition if they're not saying about, well, which shade blue did you paint your French Napoleonics in? I mean, it's like an opening chat-up line when they come to look at the army. Ooh, what shade is that? Where's that one from? You know, you're missing the whole sort of like opening segment that makes all these introverts easier to talk talk to because they've got a nice, easy Pete, opening no, line. I think, Pete, you've got to, you know, I, I would toss that back on its head. It's like, surely when you're talking to other war gamers, the first thing in your head is, how do I shut this conversation down and get out of it as quickly as possible? And then you're saying... The idea that there's a ready way to to make that conversation go on for much longer is that's an anathema to all of us if we think about it, surely. But that's why people want all the variety of paints, so they can argue about uh, whether those Polish lancers were in that sort of green or the red or um, this sort of shade of it, and uh, why have you taken the darker red when they were actually in a lighter red? And I, I noticed the epaulets are a slightly different blue than they should be. I've been waiting three months for my deck white. I ordered it in January. Deck white. I actually phoned up in games in Manchester and said, look, I know you're really nice guys. I love you. I bought stuff from you before. But when the hell, and the guy said, yeah, it's uh, on order and it comes in in dribs and drabs, but they're just, none of these paints are getting through. But the other thing I was going to say is all these colours are designed war gamers at shows to stand there absent-mindedly looking at the Vallejo paint drippers when they can't think of what the fuck else to buy and they just stand there looking at these things and you know comparing all the different yellows and all that actually that that is the thing as well so yellows there are a large number of yellows all of which you end up buying every <laughs> single one of them in the hunt for a yellow that actually gives coverage but they're all the same one. None it doesn't of them give do. coverage at all. Whereas that's why I use gold. 
Humbrol yellow is just cover because it was Humbrol yellow and that was it. Yeah, there was a problem with Humbrol, which is that it's enamel paint and that it smells and it also, if you spill it on something, you can't get it off and you have to wait for it to dry before painting something else. So it's, I, I prefer to use acrylics. It's much easier in a flat where... Um, so actually, what was your... Um, what was your broken sofa story does, does this relate to your preference here at all yes and many years ago i was painting some six mil confederate sitting on my sofa and i spilled a bottle of umbral paint and that was it um the sofa had a horrible red stain on it and um luckily it was one of those cheap um uh put you up sofas because that's all we could afford at the time but the empress wasn't having it and she made me buy another one <laughs> so actually umbral paint costs you a whole new sofa yeah basically uh, yeah, you would hold a grudge against Humbrol for that. I, I yeah, but it's it's a, you know um, it, it is smelly and and um, eye watering and uh, it's slow to slow to dry and all the rest. Do you of think it, though so... there's there's part of it that um, you shouldn't really have been painting American Civil War Confederates in red, you know, because my limited knowledge of the period suggests that's not not kind of necessary well, part of the normal. Well, well, some of them had red hats and blankets and stuff like that, you know. Just getting some extra color in it. Yeah, periscopes. Periscopes is quite good. Yeah, actually, if they'd got periscopes, you would have known what to do, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think there's much call for periscopes on uh, six mil Confederates. Uh, I going back to sort of a rant bit. I've uh, names of the paint. I blame Games Workshop. <laughs> That's a generic yeah, catch-all, though, isn't it? Great yeah. for weird names, like. Mm. But and then they've been copied by. Army Painter, well, Vallejo Game Color, <coughs> various other other ranges. And but do you do you you know feel some sort of inner sense of shame about buying some of these ridiculous names? Is there just that embarrassment factor about going and go? I'd like a a pot of Akihelian. That doesn't bother me. I don't buy those. I buy model color, which is sensible names. Right. Tim, I feel it in a sense of shame for painting toy soldiers at all. <laughs> yes, that could, yeah. Well, I suppose so. It's all matters of degree, though, isn't it, really? Everything's a matter of degree and, and how ridiculous it could be. I saw, I saw a name of a paint called Scrofulous Brown, and I thought that was the name of a, char a character in the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> I think there's a whole range of Harry Potter character paints that, um, that <laughs> Vallejo are bringing out. That could be it. Mind you, it's not a not a paint; it's a wash. It, uh, I the secret uh, secret weapon washes range. That's another manufacturer I've missed. Originally, originally, originally created by Les Burley. There's one. Most of them count similar. I absolutely normal names like concrete, dark concrete, weapon wash, or armor wash, or things like that. Les Burley. And there's one in the range called baby poop <laughs> sort of a greenish yellowish brown it's oh. it does what it says on the tin yeah has Absolutely. it got the smell with it as well no <laughs> i've just Lucky. found crystal periscope green there's bristol periscope crystal, crystal periscope green right is, is that in your own collection there dave or have you just I found that on the interweb I found it online I'm German, okay, you know, there's these MIG people I've never even heard of. Okay, well, let's um, let's wrap this up and say my theory is it's just out of control. The explosion of pots, 
the names, the different brands, all the rest of it. We just don't need it. We were much better back off in the 70s, um, you know, three day week and all that kind of thing, notwithstanding and, and flares and the basic new rollers. But apart from all of those things, the one good thing to come out of it was simplicity and clarity and lack of bloody nonsense around the world of, um, of War Games paint. So going around the screen then, um, starting with you, Adam, and I think I already know the answer because that's an easy one. Do you well, think no, I'm an arsehole? Yeah, but it's what people are talking, I've been considering it a bit more, and it's harder than you think, right? Because on the one hand, you've got um, an industry that's got um, a lot of experience in retailing its products, um, market research, game workshop, multi-million pound company floated on stock market. On the other hand, you've got an opinion of a bloke who's ranting on a war games podcast because he's got mummy issues. So it's like, it's a um, tough one, but I'm going to have to on balance come down with you and us. Okay. Tamsin? Well, you're right about the proliferation of names, but as I, your argument that you don't know what colour it is from the name, that's why they produce paint charts, so you can look them up find what you want so you're being an arse okay peter what about you did you yearn for the days of humbrol no it was a pain in the ass you're an ass it's just <laughs> move on from it you know you don't live in the past tim move forward okay just because you can't pronounce the names that's not my issue okay andy does, does your sofa get a vote here in which case i'm in trouble uh, yes you're in trouble i think i think saying let's go back to the 70s in that respect is 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 a damning indictment of your argument also why would less choice be a good thing so i'm afraid in this case I, a lot of what you say i agree with but you are an arson i'm afraid okay mr saunders what about you in the bunker um humbrol was a disaster it was horrible it was awful but i, I tend to agree there's too much choice so i agree okay simon am i going to get a second save What's it worth to me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, live to, I live somewhere, probably. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I agree with you. There is too much choice. When you look at it, sometimes like a red, sometimes you want just three or four reds and you go to some of the ranges and there's like 25 different shades of red. I'm lucky if I can see two colours of red, bright red or flat red, ta-da. Um, I quite like the old Humbrol paint ranges. I only really use them in the, the acrylic range. I think um, I gave up using oils far too many years ago. I'm glad to never see them again. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. Slightly less choice would be a bit helpful. Sometimes I just want a green. <laughs> okay, then. So four to two, not a bad, not a bad clawback after, um, after, after Adam's sweep over the last few weeks. So, but I think unfortunately that does mean the consensus is that my Humbrol base paint theory, I'm just a nice. Well, as the 88 round of Destiny hits the Sherman tank of time, that means time's up for us on this week's episode of I'm Sorry, I Think You're an Ass. We'll be back next week. Look, with that set of theme music fading into background, we would normally go into the who's played what this week but but by the looks of it we've had a bit of a wash on um on people fitting in games partly through 
us changing the time of when we record this podcast and not quite leaving a, a big enough gap between them to to fit in some online games. I think there's some more coming up in the next week or so. But but this has been a week of big news in the ADLG world, really, with um, a surprisingly imminent, I think it must be said, release and publication date for version four coming out of the, the 19th of April. And I think we've all been in a, a sense of frenzied excitement through... Um, through woo um through north star announcing that it will be it is available for pre-sale version four and will be in theory distributed handed out sent out posted around the world on the 19th of april which is kind of tomorrow in in publication deadline terms after being kept under wraps um very very effectively it's got to be said i think the fact it's been kept such under wraps makes it makes it challenging for us to to even begin to speculate on um but but we may well do um dig into this with a separate episode at another time and and just talk about this and obviously we'll talk about it once it comes out but but just knowing what we know there's about another 20 pages this time but there's also about another 20 odd extra army lists as well so 30 30, it's 30 pages longer and there are 30 new army lists Okay, so so it sounds like most of that extra content is going to be taken up by by army list then, which is good. The rules don't sound like they're getting better. But if we look at the concept of just to do a quick run round, um, and this is all entire speculation or, or wish list, between new army lists, improved army lists, tweaks to the rules, is there a one thing that um, you've got your fingers crossed for when when that brown envelope from North Star lands on the mat and you um, you rip it open furiously and, and flick through to find a new a new rule. Um, I don't know, Peter. What, what is there a rule that you're hoping kind of gets changed uh, in the army list that yeah, gets added or something? Yeah. Well, two things. One, elephant rampage. I want it to be a proper rampage. None of this one UD lock. I want it to go a full two UD and elephants become the true glass cannon that they really are, rampaging through the battlefield. That would be awesome. That would do it for me. You know, I'd just have a whole parade of them coming charging in. If they die, fine. They're going to go into stuff. That would be fun. It, you know, that, that would make my day. Plus, the second thing I'd want, more medium nightmares. You know, I, I, I think the, they're going to make some more Spanish ones, some Navarre and everything else. I can have some more medium impact nights coming, storming in with a mixture of it. You know, throwing the odd, you know, uh, medium foot to mess around in the terrain, just keep people busy. But yeah, get my medium knights storming in. I'd be a happy bunny. Okay, um, let's go around. Dave, what what about you? Anything? Any troop types? You know, your your favourite Almugavars. Do they need to get better? Anything else or them? Um... I'm I'm quite happy to see what happens. I mean, I'm quite happy with it as it is. I mean, it's. I mean, this is the. I guess this is what the second set of rules i've probably learned properly i mean i did a bit of dbm but you know i, I i'm i mean all i know is my copy of version three is completely threadbare and falling to bits so i'm just glad we're getting a new set which is going to be a bit more with it mm, okay and andy what about you anything um that you're... yeah i'd like to see um that i'd like to see the compulsory terrain piece automatically end up in the defender's half of the battlefield or at least give the defender the option to do that because how often do you get out diced on the initiative and then find that you don't get any terrain to rest your army on okay so something kind of to tweak the terrain rules then to make that a bit yeah more... give the defender the option 
it's a defame if, if the compulsory piece lands in the opponent's uh part to, to re-roll it okay something like that um adam what about you anything that you'll um Overall, I, just, I, I think they play quite well as it is now. One thing I would say, and I, this might be an unpopular opinion um, with this group of people, is I think elephants need to be toned down a bit. I think they're too good. I think they're too powerful. When we used to do the, the list discussion here, every list that we did that had elephants, people tend to take them, and there was never any point in discussion about, no, you don't want elephants in this list. They don't work. So if there's any troop type where no matter what the list they're included that would suggest to me they're a little bit overpowered so i wouldn't mind seeing elephants toned down a little bit i would also like to say dave if your version three is falling apart if you need a copy to see you through um i can sell you a copy for a fiver if you want to yeah that's good yeah actually i think there is um there's a lot of ways that elephants could get toned down isn't it you could either tweak their factors or you could make their natural yeah. opponents better there's, there's all sorts of different ways yeah i'm not saying that yeah um elephants have to get worse but if they stay the same then they need some natural predators more that you'll yeah. see on the table oh the, the, i wouldn't mind that i wouldn't mind them becoming more of a glass cannon where you know you charge them in and there's more potential for them to die but then they can really cause a, a bit of a rampage because so i think that would just be hilarious that light foot pin them well, Simon and I once brought some furry mice to a war games competition to scare off the any elephants, but the rules didn't seem to give us any benefit there. <laughs> no, I, I doubt that's going to come in. Um, you bring in cuddly toys along, not really going to cut it. Um, Tamsin, anything that you've you know think would you're hoping for or to see? Um, in terms of the rules themselves, I not much of it hasn't already been been suggested, but I think in terms of army lists. I'd quite like to see the, like the list for Korean, Ming Chinese, and Japanese extended a bit further, a bit to a bit later to cover the Imjin War. Okay, all right, that's an interesting one. And Simon, what what about you? I'm happy to sort of see what changes they make. I'd like to see my um, some of my medium swordsman armies just medium swordsmen, the chaffy armies, a little bit more useful, and maybe my medium spearmen, because um, every time that you do bring them out on the table, they get pretty much run over within a second flat. But um, I'm just looking forward to seeing what they come out with. And also, what new font are they going to use? That's always a big question. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. No, I, th I think the medium spearmen, medium swordsmen, they are the underloved troop types, aren't they? So, so let's all hope that there's some love for that. I guess on... Yeah, if you think about it as unloved troop types, I guess the other bit is is rear support is just a little bit meh. You know, I, I think it's under it's either over pointed or or under effective for what it achieves. But but how do you bump it up without you know what makes it a little? How could you make it a little bit better um, so that it becomes worth taking? Um, you know, it's, it's got some kind of drawback. So I think there's just seeing the underloved stuff being pulled up a bit would be would be nice, but. But I guess we've probably not got long to know. And um and maybe I say we, we might well do a, a whole um more um more out there speculation episode and if, if we get around to it, manage to fit it in in some time um in the foreseeable future. So so that's our speculation section. This means war.
So having um having speculated about the rules um and and tried to sort of see the future and have a guess, I think one thing that we can all see into the future is that we can all see coming up over the hill a deep and abiding moment of deep house French techno. So those are the questions. We've asked the questions about ADLG. And Andy, it's now your time to tell us what questions you asked us last week and to hit us with, um, I, I'm always tempted to say, hopefully not another um, onanastically themed um, quiz, but, no, but it's starting nasty. to become a bit of a thing, isn't it? So what was the subject last time? Um, it was hard to beat. It was about generals who didn't lose battles. Hard to beat. Yeah. Okay. Right. We'll, we'll, the fact, we'll the fact you've given it an alternative nuance is up to you, really. Um, yes, anyway, so. the first question was, what was the nickname of French Marshal Davout, who was reputed never to have lost a battle? Now, I know sure Tamsin knows, but how about anybody else? Iron Marshal. Correct. Yeah, Iron. Okay. Okay. That Which Arab with him general... Keeping his clothes well-pressed or anything like that? Uh, well, you got people to do it for him. Which yeah. Arab general rated as a strategist in ADLG is reputed to have fought over 100 battles and lost none of them? Khalid. Yep. Khalid ibn al-Walid, his name is. Yeah, I can remember the rest of it, but I know it's Khalid. Yeah. He was about 16 or something when he was up with his first battle. Really? You obviously know more about him than I do, yeah. A lot of Mohammed's generals at the very beginning were just teenagers, allegedly. Yeah, but did he ever open the batting? <laughs> I, I guess there wasn't a lot of betting involved in, in that sort of thing. So, Oh, batting, sorry. I thought you said betting. I was, yeah, that doesn't really fit either. Um, okay, and, and the third one? Alexander the Great had a 100% success rate in his battles. How many battles did he fight? You're including sieges? No. It wasn't that many, though. 11. I was going to say 12. It was nine, apparently. Nine set-piece battles. Okay, yeah. then. Le disco is past. Le next week questions are coming up to us. Um, Andy, scare us with the topic. Scare us with it. Well, this week's topic is all about people who served in cruisers at the start of the First World War. So I've called it Carry On Cruising. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's a good recovery because I was thinking that's a little bit niche. There was an alternative dark, name which sprang to mind. I'll tell you later. You right, oh, okay, then, good. Okay, right. So the first one is when Lieutenant Helmut von Mucke's ship was sunk while he was leading a shore party. Sorry, sorry, who? Helmut, Helmut von, von Mucke. That's his name. Are you sure these aren't people from Carry On films? Google it. True. Right. Helmut von Mucke, right? Yeah. Okay. M U C K E, right? Right. Right. When his ship was sunk while he was leading a shore party, he led his landing party across thousands of miles of ocean in an open boat, then through a large area inhabited by hostile tribes and eventually back to Germany via Constantinople after many months of travel. What was the name of the ship of which von Mucke had been first lieutenant? Von Mucke's ship. OK. All right. right. OK. Question two. Who served with two navies in the First World War 
ended the war as a prisoner of war after his submarine was sunk, and decades later rose to be commander-in-chief of his country's navy. I suppose you would rise if a submarine sank, but okay, another interesting one. And the third one is, when Wycombe Musgrave, who later rose to the rank of commander, was on three British cruisers torpedoed on 22nd September 1914. What was the nickname given to this naval force? He was on three cruisers which were torpedoed in the same day. Yeah, he was sunk three times on the same day. <laughs> He's not Uncle no, Albert no, from Only no. Fools and Horses, is he? No? Um, all right, then. That's, um, that's certainly one to look up. So, um, yes, I, I think... Without I, I imagine ado. I imagine the crew of the third third ship must have been somewhat nervous nervous when he climbed on board. Was there a fourth? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. Well, I think that those those are indeed questions. With Le Disco fading into Le Background, it's now time for us to wrap up this week's um, short, sharp and punchy episode um, with a quick roundup of what is coming in the next week or so. So, um, Andy, are you? Um, I think you said you're likely to be just ploughing through the um, the extras in your Macedonian army. Is there any any particular thing that, that is top of the list that you're going to try and nail in the next week? Um, might finish the hoplites and... Um... Then, then the Scythians, and then go. Then try and finish off the Greek cavalry. Okay, hoplites first. Yeah, I mean the idea is that this is going to be the, um, the, the these Greek cavalry I'm painting are ultimately going to be the mounted wing of the Thracian army. Okay, and um, and have you got a battle teed up against um, American Dave? Yeah, well? we have. I think it's called Hannigblat. It's it's it's. He found these battles. This one is apparently between the. Assyrians, list seven, and the Hurri Mitanni in the year 1274 BCE, and the Assyrians have got a strategist. So I've never done this before. I've got to use an Assyrian army, and, um, you know, it should be interesting. I've, I've gone for uh, one wing of, one corps of just uh, medium infantry swordsmen, one with a couple of bowmen, one of uh, chariots with a couple of bow guys just to support them. And then under the strategist, I've got a mixed command, a couple of chariots just to hold people off. And, um, you know, the elite, the, much of the elite swordsmen. And a, I've got a, a mixed bow, bow sword guy in each corps for a bit of shooting. Uh, well, you know, I, I think as long as you make sure the chariots are painted in um, Assyrian battle chariot red or something from um, the Vallejo chariot aces range i think you should be fine I mean, well it, it I, have, I haven't got the skills to color them on, on tabletop simulator so i, I don't <laughs> right, know okay it's all virtual um right. anyway caught, there was a poem wasn't they the assyrian swept down like a wolf on the fold his cohorts all painted in purple and gold and that's what that's going i'm still going banging on about this they weren't saying painted in you know active tugging purple were they they just said purple and gold. It wasn't. No, I think it was Tennyson or Byron or somebody. Or he, he didn't. He didn't give us those details. But if Byron couldn't come up with a better name for colours, and Vallejo, you're trying to make well. Look, I'll, I'll give it up. I'll let it rest. So yeah, it's one of these Adam, classic poems. I can't remember exactly which one it was. Exactly, Adam. What What about you? You 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 had any further thoughts in the last hour or so about your undercoating, dry brushing kind of malarkey? 
No, just gonna um, stick um, the knights together and count black and count black. When that's done, I'm gonna finish ships. Um, ships paint um, painting doesn't take too long. Um, doing the rigging is always uh, an experience um, and sort of bimble on really. And then um, we're waiting for. In, by the time this comes out, hopefully Entoyment will have those tickets on sale. I think. Oh yes. Um, hopefully by the time this comes out, the uh, the tickets for Entoyment should be on sale. Um, and also a worldwide exclusive for the Mad Axman's podcast. Um, that um, that competition is going to be a version four ADLG competition. So because um, it's got like three months it's got um, really, to get through it, it. Yeah. so the world's premier ADL ADLG competition in twenty twenty one. We'll be using uh, version four. Fantastic. I mean, Gordon's going to be umpiring. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably the only one who's read it, isn't he? Oh, um, Gordon and her, because they like arguing about the rules together. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, it could be something like that. Simon, what about you? Do you um, Is work going to give you a chance to to do a few more Macedonians, or are you just going to be peeling them off the bases and sticking them on in, in 12s? I'm hoping I'll get enough chance this week to finish at least one base, or base worth of pikemen. So that if I can get to that, I'll be happy this week. Okay, that's decent. Um, and um, Mr. Saunders, are you, are you going to finish off the, the Battle of Ugram? Ugram? Ugram. Ugram. Um, I'm going to undercoat my Scotsman. <laughs> and uh, then they're almost complete. Scotsman didn't wear undercoats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, they've got to be undercoats. They're in commando. <laughs> These ones have got trues on, actually. Trues. They have trues. Yeah, they have trues. Yeah. Um, and then think about a new project. <laughs> All right, think about a project. Right, Aztecs. Mexicans, Aztecs, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna have some Aztecs purchase. with uh, your Jaguar onesies, yeah, 40 quid Aztec purchase, maybe. Um, and Tamsin, do you have you got a timeline for these multi faceted different square bases and extra platoons, or are you gonna just you know, pick up the phone now and place in order to turn it into oh, a whole battalion. No, to turn it into a whole battalion, just add a few more to it. No, I've ordered the base, ordered the figures. I'm not adding <laughs> any more. Right. Okay. Uh, so this, so next few days, I'll be finishing off the six mil ACW. I should have them all based, all all done and based by the next by next Monday when we record again. Excellent. Something to look forward and to. And. I might have made made a start. Well, I might have got the US Paris that I have already, but but I've yeah I've got now primed, ready to ready to. And is that going to be white prime or, or black prime? It'll be black prime. Black prime for those. Okay. Well, I think I'm I'm just staring here at a load of primed versions, and and I think it's the next few days is going to be a big decision about whether I try and shoot through doing it with contrast paints and do them the silky look or whether i try and do them slightly more technical than that or whether i just get distracted and um and try and do some ottoman cavalry here's a question for you tim because the contrast will probably if they're sort of like long flowing silks contrast will work, work well but whatever technique you use how much of a pattern are you going to put on how much are you going to go to town on stripes or zigzags or that whole persiany feel of patterns yeah i think when i do patterns they tend to be a row of spots with sometimes a different color in them and maybe a stripe but i just sort of have a kind of go at it i don't really have a plan um which isn't right but one of the things i want to try doing more of is is that two or three tone stripe with kind of 
paler at the outside and darker in the middle or, or the other way around because I think that's sort of a you know you paint a broad stripe in one color and then you paint a, a different thing down the middle of it and you end up getting three stripes for the price of two or something so I think there's probably some ways of doing it and I probably do want to spend a lot of time or a bit of time noodling around on the internet trying to not not necessarily find something brilliant but find something that I go oh I could do that and that would look effective so particularly with these Sparabara, I'm planning on basing them quite densely. It's not going to be four and four. It's going to be like four plus one shooting through a gap and then like six behind. So they're a bit of a mob because I've got a lot more bowmen than, than I need. Um, and I want that kind of mob effect. So there's a Are point. Are you doing that for the Sparabara and not the Immortals? You're going to make the Immortals look really regular? Well, the other thing I thought is because they've got these, um, obviously these big, big shields, which have got different patterns on them um you know you could do them by dry brushing the patterns or you could do by you know inking the patterns to to do on those big shoes but they're actually a nice little square thing and because i've already done it for the the war chariot sorry the war towers um i might print off some um some really small scale graphics of persian and assyrian pat type patterns and cut them out and stick them on so that the the shields have actually got you know textile type patterns which will be better than well two things they'll be better than anything i could paint by long chalk and secondly decals. they're almost decals yeah but they'll be printed off decals um so because i don't think decals will work because they're not flat they're they're really textured they're um they've kind of got you know the texture oh, that it's the sort of wicker yeah the wicker effect but but i don't but i think if i do them with colors they'll be different to everybody else's and then i can do the in the old the old set i had that i've kind of retired and sold some of them i did the immortals in uniform and i did the other ones in irregular colors so that i think between that and then between doing different shield patterns i can get kind of a cheaty way of doing color or or impact really on them um and it's just whether i get drawn into doing that or whether i get drawn into to something else um, that I think I can get a result on um, kind of quickly. So, so yeah, that's that's sort of the plan. But I, I want to kind of get started and and see where it takes me because um, I'm I'm just finding it hard to plan them all out really, which is maybe the wrong way around to do it. But um, but I don't know. And just sort of rounding up, then Peter, you're you are going to glue your fingers together this week. I am definitely gluing my fingers together, um, only with even stronger stuff. So uh, if I'm not able to actually work the Zoom next week um, it, or I'm having to do voice control commands, you know what's happened and right. my fingers will be all bandaged up. So hopefully I can get those done get and then do start it. looking. What? Get your butler to do it. Well, you know, I've got to get the time off sometime. One of your profit centres. Uh, profit cost centres, yeah. Centers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> delegate. Delegate yeah. to win. You've got um, to wait 20, 30 well, years. Peter, if you get them to do the, do the, dirty, the nasty jobs for you, that makes them a profit centre. No, but then, no, it, to remember, it, they're it the ones to choose have your retirement to, to redo it. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then um, I'm going to be looking at those uh, Aztecs and uh, Mayans and everything else because um, I quite like the, the look of them. It's just how can you win with a load of medium foot? That's my problem. Um, so I'm looking but forward I think, to then, how I can work that out. I, th I think I think what you need to do is listen to a podcast against medium foot. 
yeah, you need to listen to a podcast that hopefully might even be coming out before this one. So um, you, you could think... probably sneak some um, winged ours into them on the basis that they've got feathers as well. That's true. And yeah, a hula hula skirt. yeah, winged ours with feathers in their hat and a hula hula skirt. And I think on that note, that is definitely the note to end it this week. So thank you, everybody. By the time this comes out, we'll be a week closer to getting ADLG version four and all the excitement that comes with that. We'll also be a week closer to Easter. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. 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 changing all the basing to 50 mil squares i think the 50 mil thing for to, to make room for the zeiston and uh, uh museum figures that, that's a good one this means war